Damaged Goods Podcast. Yes, back from the depths. I've crawled back from the fucking dirty, muddy, swampy depths of depression to to bring you some Damaged Goods Podcasts. Yes, the Snake Man is back, a.k.a. Jake the Snake, a.k.a. Jake Frazic. I did an episode last week. I did not release it because I was not satisfied. No, that's not what sent me to a spiraling depression. It just tends to be that way if you have that clinically. Sometimes depression's going depression. But no, the episode was not good, but I'm back. And uh, I aim to... Excuse me. I'm chain-smoking CBD joints, and we'll get to that in a second. When you're like, why are you smoking CBD, snake man? You're not trying to get high? I'll get to that in a fucking second. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be filling in this week. I'm going to be subbing for my boy, St. Nick, a.k.a. Santa Claus, if you don't know. I know. They like don't want you to know about Santa Claus. They don't want you to know. Uh, I'm going to be playing a little St. Nick this week and, and, and bringing you hopefully a few podcasts to make up for it. Because you know what, dude? Santa Claus is fucking busy. That motherfucker got to go around the whole world giving gifts. Probably fornicating with women across the globe. He's probably a player. Even though he's a little chunky, we know that physical looks don't matter if you've either got a 20-foot dick, uh, a really nice car, or lots of money, or in his case, all the toys in the fucking world. Anyway, anyway, I may be, hopefully, most likely, bringing you more little tidbits like this. And yes, I'm smoking a CBD joint, um... Because I drank a bunch of coffee earlier. Always been a fucking secret, passionate desire of the Snake Man's to smoke cigarettes and drink coffee. I drink coffee. I don't smoke cigarettes. I abhor them. My mother and her friends smoked them when I was a kid. Blowing that shit in my little Snake Man face. It's disgusting. It gets trapped in your hair, your clothes, this and that. I do have a penchant for ganja. Smoke a lot of THC, trying not to be blazed all the time. So I'm smoking CBD joints. Yeah, it takes the edge off a little. A little. But it's for the oral fixation. Get your mind out of your gutters. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, oral fixation refers to, you know, someone who smokes a lot, they bring a cigarette closer to their mouth. What, like a penis? No, dude. Get your mind out of the gutter. I'm just trying to, like, you know, curb my addiction because we could be addicted to a lot of things and I partake in a lot of things. Thankfully, addicted to none except for this shit right here. So, yeah, I'm fucking chain smoking CBD joints to bring it down. Can you not tell I'm coffeeed up right now? This isn't cocaine, meth, Adderall, none of that shit. This is fucking coffee, the legal drug that you're allowed to drink all day at your nine-to-five job as long as you chime in like a good little worker bee and do your shit. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah. Fucking fantastic, right? Happy holidays. I'm going to start it off with, uh, before we get to the meat and potatoes of the podcast, ooh, what wordplay? <laughs> what are you, a writer or something, Jake? <laughs> Before I get in the meat and potatoes of the podcast, I'm going to bring you a little harsh reality that involves potatoes, french fries. We all love them. What a tasty treat. Sometimes it's just to accompany your burger. Sometimes that's your whole fucking dinner because you're a savage. Go for it. We're going to talk about different kinds of french fries, steak fries. Miss me with the fucking steak fries. Keep the fucking steak fries. You're going to give me steak fries. Just might as well give me a fucking baked potato. You know what? Don't even... Don't even bother baking it. Just give me the fucking raw potato. I'll bite it like it's a goddamn apple. Because that's basically what you're giving me, dude. I want French fries. So give me those skinny little French ones. 
fuck it, I'll take a lot of other kinds. We'll get those shitty kind they serve at the fair, the curly ones that have all like the orange shit on them. Or the waffle fries, which for about 20 years I called pound sign fries, a number fries, because that's what they look like to me. A fucking pound sign, the number sign. I didn't know they were waffle fries. I'll take all these fries before the fucking steak fries, dude. Just give me the raw baked potato and I'll just shovel it down my throat, probably choke because it tastes like cardboard, like the steak fries. Yes. Rant's over. Or is it? Or is it all just one big rant? Anyway, dude, I digress. But yeah, the meat and potatoes of it. Um, I ponder this question a lot as I observe how other artists operate and how they're viewed. And it makes me, makes me scratch my head and wonder how am I viewed by people. So if you, if you want to chime in, whether it's here or, or you want to fucking DM me or email me or catch me on the street and tell me, I'd be curious to know. Hopefully you don't hurt my feelings too much and burst my bubble but how do we like our artists huh this is the david and goliath question you guys remember david and goliath tale david some little dude i don't know if he's little he may have been average sized dude and goliath is a goliath right a big motherfucker all jacked and swole probably spends six hours a day in the gym because he doesn't have a job or a life and he's busy trying to hit on every woman with workout tips and all he does is drink energy drinks we assume that's goliath david does not do that but David doesn't need to, right? Because he's a smart motherfucker. And what does David do? He gets in the old slingshot. The ye old slingshot. And he defeats David by, I think he shoots him in the fucking eyeballs <clears throat> with it. Or was it a Cyclops? Was Goliath just one eyeball? Either way, after the slingshot, he was one eyeball Cyclops, Goliath. And David wins. Underdog, big, massive person. How do you like your artists? Do you like your artists, David or Goliath? Right? I mean... Do you like them kind of underground, on the come up? They're still still making their bones, earning their stripes, getting on top. But you like them when they're just fucking on it. They just run shit. They're just the number one, the top shot. They're the popular shit and everybody likes them. Um, and they're usually super rich and famous at that point. And obviously, uh, us as fans of art, music, books, fucking film, cinema, if you will. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's what happens when you chain smoke CBD joints all day. You're going <clears> to, <throat> those <clears throat> moments. Um, we like to hipster flex on our artists, you know. I knew about them first. Yeah, they were a good band, but I liked them better with the original singer. Or, you know, this restaurant is great, but it was, it was way better before they franchised the two other ones across the city. You know, getting in on the ground floor. I talk about this a lot. When you're invested on somebody at the ground floor, and then they get a little bigger, and you feel like they sold you out. They said, fuck you, man. We, we're going to get bigger and screw your fandom over. They're out to get your fandom of them. Not at all. Nah, they just want success, or sometimes success just finds them. But we all like them better when they were just ours. It was our private, personal relationship with said artists. Before they got super rich and famous. And sometimes it's easy to continue loving them as they do grow in stature and fame and fortune. Because they don't deviate from the method to their madness. They don't abandon what got them there. What you fell in love with them for. And that's a beautiful thing. Um... But that's not always the case. Sometimes a fact to get to that larger stature, you have to abandon those or you have to adopt something else to get you to jump a few levels because those hurdles get higher as you, you progress in the game. I mean, did we tire of Jay-Z lyrics when it came to the repetitive, rich bragging rap about, you know, like Picasso paintings and shit you couldn't even afford to look at? Is it relatable? Does it even matter if it's relatable? Perhaps we want that escapism from it. I mean... 
we like entertainment for fantasy and a lot of art is entertainment let's call it what it is we we, we like it because it teaches us it soothes us it comforts us it inspires us blah 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 but it also entertains us so maybe we want that fantasy right my girlfriend watches all these wild sci-fi fucking shows and shit because she likes the escapism I find myself knee-deep in rabbit holes of organized crime documentaries on YouTube because it fascinates me and it's escapism. I'm not joining the fucking Gambino crime family, but I enjoy watching these things. So do we even care if they get to a level where we can't relate to them, you know? But there's also something, um, kind of a stagnant level that you could reach when, you, when you've won all the awards. You got all the praise, the accolades, accolades, accolades. <laughs> God, I'm such a good enunciator. They've got all the money. They've got everything. They've got the girl. They've got the guy. It's all perfect. What more to drive them? Why even create? You know, I, I always think I like, I use Nas as an example. There was a period in his career where I could hear, I could feel the uninspired uh, energy in his voice. It was palpable. And it, it takes something to, to, to spark that again, you know. The, him and Nas and Jay-Z had a very famous battle. Kind of lights a fire under his ass or... You know, his mother passes away, sadly. Even years later, the Life is Good album, which I regard as a, as a classic, there was a lot of passion and energy and inspiration in there. Dude just went through a divorce. Sometimes you need these things. And we don't want travesty to befall our favorite artists, but something has to keep you inspired. And, and when you're not rich and famous, when you're not Goliath, when you're still David, when you're still David, um, just that drive alone is it. You don't have to be fucking handfuls of travesty. You you, you can just drive in yourself because you want to get better, bigger, excel, spread your art to more people. You know, uh, struggle and strife always helps, but it's not it. And then sometimes artists, they reach this, this larger level of fame, this Goliath level, later in the game when it maybe don't even matter anymore. Uh, this we, we find this a lot with stand-up comedians, right? They do 10, 15 years, and then they start popping off, and they're in their 40s, and maybe you're just not going to change. You're already kind of, your character's cemented in, an, in a good way. I mean, that's a good thing, you know? Um, or, or like, I think about writers like Charles Bukowski. You know, he didn't reach his fame and fortune until he was in his 50s. He's already been writing, putting out books and poems and short stories, and now he gets this praise and these accolades and this money does his character really change too much? Nah, because fuck, you, you didn't seem to change him at all. And do we hate it when these rich, famous people change? Because we, we kind of get mad. Um, and then, you know, if that happens, that ascension to, uh, in their careers, does it change? Is, if we're artists ourselves, are we projecting because we're scared that that's going to happen to us, you know? Every artist, when I was a musician, as a writer now, and all my friends in the different realms of arts, we've all spoken about this in our own heads and with each other and perhaps even in the press and the interviews and shit about how we would never want to change. We don't want to switch up. Yeah, we'll get the money and the new cars and all that, but we're going to keep it real. We're going to hang with the same people. We're going to treat other people the same. We're not going to change. God, that would be such a fucking horrible thing if it did, right? We'd be just double back on our words. But I've seen it happen. And I don't mean on the super duper level, although I have, but I've even seen it on a lower level. I have friends who were struggling financially and whatever. Their art starts to bring them some money, some success. And it's not always millions. It could be hundreds of thousands or even less than that. And I still see motherfuckers switch up. I still seen it change people because it's powerful, man. It's, it's powerful because you, you don't know until you're there. 
we all like to imagine we won't sell out, we won't change, we'll keep it real, everyone in the crew's gonna stay the same, we're gonna be tight, our ethos and morals are not gonna get chiseled away one little bit. But you don't know until it happens, and I've seen it happen to people I thought were good folks, kids I grew up with. And uh, it's funny, man, how it changes, and by funny, I mean fucking sucks. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, and, and do we hate it when these artists change? And then they're real big, they're real Goliath, and they're telling you Telling me, telling us what to do, how to how to do things, how to feel. And do we resent them? Because they're no longer on our level. They don't understand you no more. They might like you as a fan, and I like all my fans. What artists wouldn't? And uh, But they're not on the same level. They're not living the life you're living. So how are they going to fucking relate to you? When they're eating caviar for breakfast and throwing lobsters at peasants, and you got ramen on, on the fucking stove. It's just not in the same realm. Just keep it funky. We don't like it when they tell us to do that. It's insulting. It's like when rich politicians and shit are telling you what to do. Like, motherfucker, you're fine either way. You know? Um, like, I always use this example. You know, people, election time come around and somebody famous, doesn't matter which side of the political realm they're on, they're going to tell you who to vote for because they just want to have a good look in, in the media. They want to pat themselves on the back and say, I'm a good actor. I'm a... I'm a good musician. It don't matter who fucking wins. You're still going to be in the mansion in the hills. You still got that goddamn Bentley. So it don't really matter who's in office to you. It might fuck over a working man, working person, working woman. It ain't fucking you over. You're doing just fucking fine. Uh, I think a week or two ago, Seth Rogen. He's an actor. He's a comedian. He's, a, he's not a stand-up comedian, but he's a comedic actor. And he's a writer, producer. Made some great flicks, shit I love. He came at some dude, I believe, as a journalist. I really should be more informed, but this is damaged good. So you're going to get what you're going to fucking get and just dig it because it's my style. He came at some journalist who was on Twitter complaining because his car had gotten broken into and robbed in glorious Los Angeles. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, some some gifts for her stuff of his daughter's with the car was stolen as well. It was then found and, and the, the perpetrators was apprehended by the cops and the things that return the items. And they, him and this dude, Seth Rogen, debating about it, going back and forth on Twitter. And Seth Rogen hits him with a very poignant statement of, oh, life in a big city. And yes, it is life in a big city, but I guarantee you that guy's life versus your life, Seth Rogen, in a big city are very different, dude. Or mine even to yours are way more drastic because you're probably up in the hills. You probably have a fortress of a mansion. And if your car was to get broken into and all your daughter's shit stolen, it really would be just like another brush of wind against your hair on a sunny day. If the fucking car itself got stolen, you probably wouldn't flinch because you could buy five more tomorrow. So when you're trying to tell other people how to feel about something that affected them directly, fuck off with that shit. You live in a fantasy world. Do what you do what you do best. Make some funny movies. Laugh. Uh, make us laugh. Make us cry. Make us sing. That's what we like you for. You know what I'm saying? I don't listen to my musicians based on their political preferences or, or what they're going to tell me to do. I mean, if they had some really fucked up ones, maybe I would not. Listen to him, but that's not the reason you fell in love with him. You you find out about all that personal shit about your favorite artists after the fact. The fact of you now like this person for whatever they do so beautifully that you appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, do you want to hear the new Doja Cat song? Or you want her to tell you what to do in the next election? You want the new Stephen King novel? Or do you want him to tell you what to eat and what not to eat? I don't know. David or Goliath, how do you fucking like him? Uh, you know, maybe both. Maybe, who knows? Maybe there's a happy medium out there in the world. 
Um, I'm I'm not sure. Fung Wa bus. Who knows about the Fung Wa bus? Because there's a whole shitload of reminiscing on the interwebs, aka social media, about the Fung Wa bus. For those who are not aware of what this is, I will enlighten you. It would be my grand pleasure to enlighten you. The Fung Wa bus began as a bus that would travel between the Chinatowns of Boston and New York. And it would later spread out to Boston and New York and Philly and I think D.C. and Norfolk, Virginia and the like. And way, way back, if you guys really want to get on some reminiscent, let me hipster flex on the Fung Wong bus and be a fucking absolute dickhead for a second. I remember when that shit wasn't even a bus. It was one of those, um, I don't know what you would call it, kind of like a, not a utility vehicle. Uh, this is going to sound inaccurately fucked up, but it was kind of like those those vehicles that might be accessible to people who were handicapped in wheelchairs with the wide opening doors. It's not a Greyhound. It didn't have a, a bathroom in the back and those reclining seats. It was something much smaller. That used to be the one that used to go between Chinatown and Chinatown. And then it became the buses. And after 9-11, nobody wanted to go to New York, I guess, and that shit was about $5 a pop. And then eventually, in Chinatown, Boston, for some reason, it stopped running there. You had to go to South Station, which is our major bus station. But it was still bringing you to New York City, to Chinatown. Now, this was not like a Greyhound or, or a Peter Pan or whatever that was going through those, those same kind of levels of security. Like, you go to, what is it, Penn Station or whatever the fuck in New York. Cops is everywhere. Canines is everywhere. National, federal funding post 9-11. They are out to get the terrorists. They're hunting for Bin Laden. And maybe Bin Laden lives in your backpack. Maybe Bin Laden was living in the small part of your backpack where, nope, no Bin Laden, but just some illegalities that you was now caught with. So people who might have been doing things with illegalities was taking the Chinatown bus. The rumor on the street, the urban myth, which maybe not so much a myth, was that the, uh, the triads or the tongs ran the Chinatown bus. And it was a great vehicle to not literally but yes literally as well a vehicle to transport illegal narcotics between these major cities and you're running a bus every hour for 14 hours a day between these cities and you've got actual passengers so it looks real and drivers that are on speakerphone screaming the whole time maybe endangering you <laughs> definitely um then, yeah nothing happens this shit's all in under the bus it's wherever they got it it's under there but as individuals young kids maybe we was bringing illegalities on these buses and doing things like that. And then this bus was full of characters. Oh, man, the characters. That was just something to brighten it up. And perhaps, you know, you got to pass the time. But, you know, um, these were the best of times and the worst of times and mostly the worst of times. It was sketchy, dude. I mean, how many times can I say that I had to get off the bus because it broke down on the side of the road and you wait around for another hour for another bus to come only for it to be absolutely jam-packed? Or they have to get off the bus because it broke down to watch it burst up into fucking flames on the side of 90 or, or 84 or whichever highway the bus was on when you were on it. Or the nine hour, 15 minute ride I had between New York and Boston in a snowstorm when the motherfucking, this is, you know, brutal amount of time on a bus. Your phone's dead. Your iPod's dead. This is the days of iPods, yes. And, and your book is read because you're a good little boy that reads fast. And now you're just bored out of your fucking mind and you want to choke yourself with the headphone wires or your neighbors on the buses because they won't shut the fuck up and the bus is reeking of either Chinese food or Burger King because that was the halfway stop point where everyone would get off and maybe smoke a joint or smoke a couple cigarettes if that's your thing and then go get this Chinese buffet which always smelled like cleaning products in there, like heavy bleach on the floor 
or, of course, the other lovely option, Burger King, America's favorite home for crap. So, yeah, the fucking bus would be stanking. So you did your best to kind of soothe the pain. So what dudes do? Dudes go in that fucking bathroom in there and take some blazers, dude. You smoking a little ganja up in there, a little Jaja warrior medicine up in the motherfucking uh, bus bathroom and using a hit towel. Maybe dudes are drinking on there. Maybe you're receiving oral pleasures from a lady friend in the back row. These are the things we did uh, while smuggling illegalities on the Fungwa bus as youngins. And uh, then, you know, you get a car or you stop doing things that required you to even have to ride this bus or you just level up and take the Amtrak, which is a monopoly in this country, but far safer than all the times that fun wild crashes, flips over, burns, and you're just fucking alive. And you're so goddamn thankful it's alive for the holidays with your family because you didn't die in a fun wild. But let's reminisce about it. Let's get the sweatshirt and make it cool. I don't even know if they still have that shit anymore. But anyway, yeah, Santa Claus may not be bringing you all the gifts this week if you were naughty. Maybe you were nice and he just doesn't like you. snake a claus will. snizz claus might come through for that ass. By the way, the audiobook of Quicksand is up fucking finally. Yes, I know. I had some issues with the publisher acquiring it, so I put the shit out myself so I could get all the money so they don't get their filthy, grubby little paws in my finances. So if you buy... The Quicksand audiobook for the holidays, for your loved ones, for yourself. And get one for yourself if you get it for your loved ones because you don't want to cheat yourself. You want to treat yourself. Get the book. You're supporting me and not any grubby fucking greedy publishers. It goes right to Jake Frazick's pockets, and I greatly appreciate it. If you go on any of my socials, it's there. If you go to damagedgoodspodcast.com, it's there. Follow me on all social media at Jake Frazick, J-A-K-E-F-R-A-C-Z-E-K, at J the S. At Damaged Goods Podcast. Give the fucking podcast a good review, dude. It helps. Five star that shit, please. I'll be back with more jewels and gems and shiny, illustrious items of the audible pleasure for you soon. And uh, next time you listen to some music, man, ask yourself, am I listening to David or Goliath? Does it matter? Does it fucking matter? Does Goliath have one eyeball or no eyeballs because he's fucking blind? I don't know.